This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unk, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unk, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have a classic episode for you about marshmallows. Yes, which has one of my favorite facts ever. And I'm torn. I feel like I shouldn't talk about it, even though in theory, a lot of you have already heard this episode. But if you haven't, I want you to be spoiled. I want you to be surprised, not right. spoiled. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, I, and it was from quite a long time ago. This was uh, from from July 7th of 2017. Uh, yes. I don't even remember like last week. So that seems like impossibly long ago. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> it, yeah, not. I mean, that's quite a decent amount. And it, yeah, I, I, as I was saying to Lauren before we started doing this, knowing me, it was all about, we chose it for this time because of s'mores and I'm a big s'more person. <laughs> oh, um, we sure, yeah. We just some graham crackers. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we we, we talk about that and, um, and we talk about not having done an episode on chocolate yet, um, which we have since done. So now you can put that trifecta together for yourself if you want to. You could have a some more of a podcast listen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I, in doing the precursory uh, news about marshmallows, which what an interesting job we have, Lauren. It uh, <laughs> it's it's a, it's a crazy dream job for sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, search before this. 
What I mostly found was uh, pumpkin spice marshmallows are making their way to the shelves. And I'm like, it is 95 (laughs) degrees outside. I believe in my home closet studio, it's 92 degrees. Oh my goodness. And it's, what, time? Fall? No. Yeah, no, I am unprepared. I'm unprepared for it to be like April right now. I'm still stuck in March. Um, so uh, so I don't, I don't, fall is not on my horizon yet. Um, no. I wish it were fall so that, you know, it would not be 95 degrees. Fall is my favorite season. Fall is pretty nice. Fall is pretty nice. Although, considering how cold you always were in the studio, which was like a balmy, like, 75. Uh, I am. I imagine that you're oh, yeah. happier at like 92, are you? Or is it just bad <laughs> in a different way? I, I love jackets. They're my favorite <laughs> uh, form of clothing. And in fact, Lauren, you can, you, you can confirm to the listeners that behind me, not only do I have my cosplay, but this is just coats that I have. <laughs> And that's my third shelf of coats. Like, there's two more out there. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. I've, I've prepared. You do have a number of very sharp coats. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> of course. It's because I'm cold all the time. Eventually, I had to be like, <laughs> I can't wear the same jacket every day, or it's going to look like I'm just wearing the same thing every day, which is the point I've arrived at now in quarantine. But back oh, when I was but that's, going out. Right, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back when changing your clothing ever mattered. <laughs> I really don't care. <laughs> yeah, nope. So that's just a peek inside our uh, mental state. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also found an article called You Can't Roast Marshmallows on Zoom about summer camps. Oh, Yeah, but we've actually some listeners too. Roast yeah. a marshmallow on Zoom. Come on. You can also do them. I mean, it's not as good, but it is fun to watch. You can microwave them and they billow out. And that yeah. really, and then they kind of sink back in. There's ways you can do it. Yeah. For sure. For I, sure. you know, it's not, it's not the same, but it's, but it's different. It's true. And that's okay too. It's not, <laughs> it's not the same, but it's different. Wiser <laughs> words have never been said. Um, oh, this is why I have a job talking. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then two kind of extraneous facts. Okay, I, I mostly wanted to put this in here to up my Star Wars count, but uh, okay. baby Yoda cereal with marshmallows is now available at Sam's Club. Ooh, okay, okay, I like it. Okay, and also witches brew Kit Kats that, according to reviews, taste like marshmallows are coming out for Halloween, which is another thing I'm planning on how to do virtually because, as you know, Lauren and I love Halloween. Mm-hmm. And it's our, well, it's my favorite holiday. I believe it's yours yeah. as well. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so I'm coming up with plans. Perhaps I will get this witches brew marshmallow ah. tasting Kit Kat. I'm always a little bit confused by candy that is flavored to taste like other different candy. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, but but I do like the hypothetical flavor of marshmallows. So, which I I think we get into somewhere in this episode. Yes, we also get into uh, one of my biggest baking disasters of all time is <laughs> trying to make marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which reminds me, we have that video. We went to uh, visit a place that made marshmallows, and 
Malvi marshmallows. Yeah, yeah. Malvi marshmallows. Yeah, and we have a video. Um, she was much more successful than I am, which makes sense because <laughs> she's got a whole successful business. <laughs> Very it delicious. Does. It does. At the point in time that you open a whole business about it, I would I would hope that you would have it pretty much down. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, and and they are, by the way, uh, open and and shipping right now. Um, and their stuff is just delightful, delightful. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah, Malvi. That's M A L V I. So yeah. yeah. Marshmallow is one of the, and I talk about it in this episode, it's one of the few mm-hmm. foods where I was like, this is drastically different homemade versus what you get in a grocery store. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the mass-produced stuff is is definitely a, a different delicious creature. Yes, yes. So, okay, I feel like we've teased enough. Yes. Yes, let's get into this classic episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're going to be talking about marshmallows. Yes, we, we've got kind of a one-two punch for you for opening up your summer. We're doing marshmallows and then graham crackers. Yes, and we will get to chocolate. Don't worry. Oh yeah, eventually. I this is we're, we're lucky here in Atlanta to have a number of people who do um, a full like bean-to-bar chocolate. And so we really want to go talk to some of them before we start off on a chocolate research yeah. endeavor like it'll be a, a chocolate rabbit hole oh yeah yeah oh man that's a delicious rabbit hole but we did go on a delicious marshmallow rabbit hole we yes. visited malvi marshmallows mm-hmm. in coming georgia yeah they they do ship everywhere though they do or not like everywhere everywhere i think it's like united states united states everywhere sorry yeah. everybody else yeah sorry y'all um yeah we ate so many Oh, they were so delicious. They were. Oh, handmade marshmallows are nothing like manufactured marshmallows, basically. Yes. This is one I would say it's completely different, almost completely different Mm -hmm. from what you buy in a store to what you make at home. It's the same concept, though. Yes. Uh, Because marshmallows, as you know, are... (laughs) Oh, no. Are there people out there who don't know marshmallows? Probably, yeah. We must explain. Yes. They are like a puffy, white, airy, smushy, sweet treat that are typically encountered in the West around Easter time or in the summer as the goo that binds together s'mores, hence marshmallows plus graham crackers for the summertime. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what I thought because apparently a majority of the 90 million pounds, 90 million pounds of marshmallows Americans buy annually, and we are the number one consumer. <laughs> are purchased between the months of October and December, hmm. which I, I guess, like hot chocolate toppings. Sure, sweet potato casseroles. I don't put marshmallows on there, but I hear people do. Mm-hmm. In ambrosia, that's that's how I had it growing up. Yeah, uh, ambrosia salad, um, Christmas cookies, maybe as an ingredient. Right, and um, when I brought this up, it's kind of a weird fact at Malvi Marshmallows. Um, the owner Laura, she said they're. Just good Christmas gifts. So huh. I guess that makes sense. I guess. Fancy marshmallows anywhere. Good Christmas gifts. You better not give me like a, a bag, bag of, of store pot. <laughs> I'll be pretty mad for a little bit and then I'll be fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure you would just eat them. Yeah. Burnt to a crisp, which is how I prefer them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I 
It's I, I totally like, liquefied. Yeah, I, I like mine. I don't know. I, I like them both ways. I, I like a nice gentle toast, even toast. And then I like burning the crap out of some of them. <laughs> I like marshmallow sommeliers. <laughs> These things are very important. It's a different animal once it's burnt. It's true. Another random fact. Lignon. <laughs> Lignonier? That's how I would say it in French. I'm probably... I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that it's Lingonier. It's probably Lingonier. You're absolutely correct. Uh, it's, it's in Noble County, Indiana, though. It's, it's the name of, this is the name of a town. Yes. And it is the marshmallow capital of the world. Um, that is because both Kraft and Kid have marshmallow plants there. Two rival marshmallow plants in the same town. Interesting. They have an annual marshmallow festival. When is it? I don't know. I need to find that out. <laughs> uh, marshmallows, meanwhile, are actually about 80% air. Sounds like something my dad would say about my brain. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, these days, most commercial marshmallows are generally made up of some combination of sugar, egg whites, gelatin, corn syrup, flavorings like vanilla, and water with a cornstarch or confectioner's sugar coating. Um, but the first marshmallows were derived from a mucousy sap of the mallow plant, scientific name Althea officinalis, which likes to grow in marshes. Get it? Marsh? Mallow? It makes complete sense. Marshmallow. Yes. Yes. Uh, the plant grows to be uh, like, like two, two to four feet tall. That's like 0.6 to about two meters um, and it's native to West Asia and Europe. It has big old pink flowers, um, and most of the sap is located in the roots. And in ancient times, and even into more modern times, it was thought to have been a curative for sore throats and various Lots other... of other issues. <laughs> yeah. um, its scientific name, Althea, comes from the Greek root for, for curing or healing. Which brings us to our... History segment. Yeah, because yeah. the first marshmallows go back further than perhaps I thought. Right. All the way back to 2000 BCE, when ancient Egyptians would boil sap extracted from the mallow plant in honey, sometimes mixing in nuts, to make individual spongy candy-like things. And this was a pineapple-level treat, which is my new bar for measuring luxury, by the way. <laughs> and it was reserved for royalty and gods. Which I think royalty were considered gods, so technically it's sort of the same thing. Right. But, that, but it had something to do with, like, ceremonies. Oh, what? Yeah. Great. Very interesting. Uh-huh. Um, and from there, the marshmallow's medicinal reputation must have spread. Beginning sometime around about 9th century BCE, marshmallows were used not just for sore throats, but to heal wounds. And marshmallow sap was made into a balm used in treating bee stings and toothaches. Mm -hmm. uh, compresses made up of ground marshmallow leaves were recommended by Arab physicians as an anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. And by the first century CE, Greek physician Dioscorides wrote that the marshmallow worked against wounds. If you had any swelling in the glands, inflamed breast, swellings of the anus, dysentery, blood loss, or diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our buddy Pliny supposedly wrote, Whosoever shall take a spoonful of the mallows shall that day be free from all diseases that may come to him. Wow. <laughs> the mallow. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, a 15th century Italian cooking text written by Latina 
called On Right Pleasure and Good Health, had an entire chapter dedicated to the healing properties of the marshmallow plant. The marshmallow continued to be prescribed as an anti-inflammatory and throat suver into the Renaissance. Also, up through the 1800s at least, the plant was sometimes eaten as a savory dish, um, not necessarily for its medicinal properties. Um, and the leaves as a salad. The, the, the stems and roots would be boiled and or pan-fried. One recipe from 1875 recommends frying the roots with onions and butter. I mean, frying anything with onions and butter sounds pretty good. So just about, yeah. Mm-hmm. Although it, it would probably be kind of mucusy, sort of like a like okra, maybe. I love okra. That's I know. no problem for me. Right? And this just about brings us to 19th century France and the modern day marshmallow, which isn't necessarily curative. No, probably not. But first, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Interfrance, a frequent setter for food trends. French candy makers were looking to create a healthier indulgence, and they came up with pâté de guimauve, or pretty much the 
modern-day marshmallow. They didn't have modern-day technology, though, so to arrive at their version of the marshmallow, French candy makers whipped together marshmallow plant juice, eggs, and sugar until it was this foamy paste that was heated, poured, and shaped into molds one at a time by hand. (laughs) You could get them as a lozenge or a bar, and they were advertised as this healthful treat. Yeah. This quote from Skews's great name, Complete Confectioner, is a good example of that. Marshmallows or Guimov experienced a lot of popularity. Must be nice. (laughs) Once they became more (laughs) widespread outside of the royalty and God's crowd. Fancy that. So demand was pretty high. But this process of marshmallow making obviously took a lot of time and, you know, like money. So candy makers were looking for a cheaper, faster way to make them. The solution to their problem came in the form of the 18th to 19th century commercialization of of food-grade dried gelatin, which was first patented in powder form in America by Peter Cooper in 1845. He's also the inventor of the steam locomotive and was actually trying to figure out, like, glue at the time. He wasn't looking for a dessert, but that's sort of how it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. This commercial gelatin was was cheap and easily sourced, so candy makers started using it to replace the, the marshmallow plant extract while still being able to, to keep the candy, you know, fluffy and pillowy. Right. But that also meant that the reported health benefits that the marshmallow root brought to the marshmallow were lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And it was still a slow process. You had to let the mallows air dry in sheets or individually so that they'd form a skin and then sprinkle them with starch. And the process took a few hours per batch. However, by the late 1800s slash early 1900s, um, the now mass-produced marshmallows spread to the United States and were available in these little one-cent tins. Everything in tins, everything was great. Um, uh, Thanks to the advent of the very menacing-sounding starch mogul system. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just the process of of using these cornstarch molds to, to form the marshmallows. Cornstarch being a powder that is really good at adsorbing water. And yes, I just said adsorb, not absorb. Um, Absorb means to suck something in. Adsorb means to kind of stick something on. Um, On a molecular level, cornstarch and other adsorptive materials, like sand, are are all craggy and porous, and water molecules just kind of get stuck there. So the powdery coating on modern marshmallows is typically a combination of cornstarch and confectioner sugar, which forms a sort of protective barrier and and keeps them moist on the inside, but dry enough on the outside that you can pick them up without getting your fingers all sticky. So a pressed cornstarch mold was a really great invention because it saved you a whole lot of mess, um, and and the mallows would just pick up a coating of the stuff as they were being pressed into shape. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. But there were more improvements to be made, and it was made by Alex Dumas in the U.S. in 1948, which brings us to... Modern marshmallow manufacturing! Ba-ba-ba! Yes. Uh, okay, so the mass production of food frequently means treating food items as though they are industrial materials, which I guess at that point they are. Right. Um, and Alex Dumas, the son of a marshmallow maker who'd been mass-producing marshmallows in cast molds, you know, like the usual way since the 1920s, Uh, Alex figured out that you could extrude marshmallows. In food processing, extrusion is when you 
shove a batter through holes. That sounds so appetizing. I know you just you just shove it. Um, uh, so sometimes with air pressure or something like that. Um, it, it's how stuff like like cereals and pasta are generally made, and it works really well with marshmallows. They can either be cut individually as they come out of the extruder, or formed into long ropes and then cut in mass. And this machinery made it possible to create a marshmallow in an hour flat. A single marshmallow? Well, I mean, the, the probably more than just the one, but you know, oh, okay. <laughs> but from start to finish, that. I mean, sure. yeah. A lot a, a, a batch. Yes. A batch of marshmallows. I okay. I understand. <laughs> just just checking. No, I it's good 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 call. <laughs> um <laughs> the Dumac company, by the way, makes um campfire and Rocky Mountain brand marshmallows. If you've ever seen a campfire marshmallow, that's them. And he would soon license the patent out to Kraft because his company couldn't keep up with demand. Wow. They were so much cheaper than traditionally produced marshmallows that he was just like, I can't handle it anymore. Craft, please take this patent. Um, so they started using an extrusion process for their marshmallows in the late 1950s and marketed them as jet puffed to kind of ride the space race's coattails into commercial success. Huh. Wow. Uh, and it worked really well. Um, in, in 1959, they even ran a promotion where kids could send in empty marshmallow bags in order to enter to win a spaceship, a non-operative spaceship, um, complete with astronaut suits and countdown lights and this projector that would show them star maps, which is just heckin' cute. That is a prize I would have really wanted. Right? Like now, and <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> I would totally set that up in my backyard. But let's talk a little bit here about the science of marshmallows. Because there is marshmallow science. Of course there is. Okay, so so your goal in making a marshmallow is to um is to suspend air bubbles inside of a soft solid, uh, g- giving the marshmallows that spongy, smooshy texture texture that they have. And you do that by heating up sugar and some kind of gelling agent until they're they're both liquid and pliable, and and then whipping them so that air bubbles get trapped, and then letting them cool so uh, so it all sets back into a solid. Uh, marshmallows are technically a stabilized foam. And gelatin is a really good basis for this. Uh, it's, it's a really good gelling agent. Um, gelatin being animal collagen, which is a structural protein that, that makes your body have shape rather than just being a puddle. Without collagen, we would all just be puddles. Um, collagen can be stretchy and pliable like it is in your skin and tendons and, and muscles and blood vessels. And it can, it, it can also get mineralized and then be stiff like, like in your bones. Food-grade collagen is derived from the skin and bones of cows and pigs, most commonly these days, uh, but can also be taken from fish skin and bones if you want to make uh, kosher gelatin or otherwise, you know, gelatin that is friendly to people who do not want to eat those mammals. And there are a lot of plant-derived gelling agents that can be used in addition to or instead of gelatin in order to give marshmallows uh, different textures and or to, uh, to, to make them vegan, like uh, soy protein, gum arabic, agar, uh, other stuff derived from seaweed. Seaweed is a great squidgy substance. It's true. Mm -hmm. And uh, Laura at Malvi Marshmallows was experimenting with this when we visited her. Yeah, yeah. She she said that she was working on kind of retexturizing in a bunch of different ways and trying to to find like vegetarian and vegan alternatives to to that other thing. Um, A gelatin, by the way, solidifies at around 95 degrees Fahrenheit, a.k.a. 35 degrees Celsius, and, and melts at anything above that, which is why things like marshmallows melt in your mouth. Oh. Hmm. Tasty fun science. Indeed. 
Well, now that we have covered marshmallow science, it's time to take a look at marshmallow culture. But first, it's time to take a look at this ad from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching! Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And I hope that all of you listeners enjoyed looking at that ad. Um, I love looking at my (laughs) audio ads. My favorite. <laughs> so, uh, so marshmallows are are just intensely fun and hilarious, and they have a long history of being so. Yes, I wish I had recorded the look on my face as I did this research because it was just delightful. <laughs> um, the most obvious cultural thing is probably the s'more. Sure. The origin of the s'more is a bit of a mystery. Uh, As far back as the Victorian era, we can find recipes for cookie sandwiches. And by the 20th century, these sandwiches, some made with marshmallows, were fairly common. The first published recipe for a s'more popped up in 1927, courtesy of a Girl Scouts recipe titled Some More. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Which called for smushing two coal-roasted marshmallows in a 
quote, graham cracker and chocolate bar sandwich. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. I mean, I've I've done it. <laughs> That's not out of the, the realm of possibility in my book. I see. Okay. Yes. Continue. Some more was shortened to s'more, and these days 50% of marshmallows purchased in the summer go up in flames over a campfire. They're graham cracker and chocolate coffin. Oh, goodness. Yes. Some companies started selling countertop marshmallow roasters or BBQers. Guaranteed safe for children of any size. We used one of these. Yeah. I don't know that I would agree with that statement. I, I don't think it was safe for us, let yes. alone for children. No. Yeah. Uh, the largest s'more ever, by the way, weighed 1,600 pounds. Uh, in the 1920s as well, in addition to uh, giving us s'mores, the 1920s uh, gave us jello salads spiked with mini marshmallows. That's just like the most artificial... I don't know. It's just these two gelatin products. I don't, I never want that. Colors. Yeah, I've never had it. I never I, want those textures together. No. I, I mean, I would try it, but. Mm. I've I, I've had it. I, my, um, one of my grandmothers is uh, very fond of the jello as a side salad. Oh. And. <laughs> that cracks me up that a side salad, that's great. Jello salad. What, what were we trying to convince ourselves? Um, speaking of. Like childhood memories. Oh, uh-huh. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about Rice Krispies until I was doing this research. <laughs> Rice Krispie treats? Yes. yes. They're very important. Yes. Rice Krispie treats were around before Rice Krispies, the cereal, was huh. around. Um, what? And, yeah. And before mass-produced marshmallows were around. The, huh. Originally, they used corn syrup and molasses as the binder. And a woman who worked at Kellogg, Mildred Day, is credited with cooking up this recipe for Rice Krispie Treats we know today to sell as a fundraiser for the Campfire Girls Group. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And according to the U.S. Patent Office, the name Rice Krispie Treats first showed up in 1986, just fairly recent. Yeah. Um, 1996 was the first time you could buy those prepackaged oh, Rice uh -huh. Krispie Treats. Sure. Um, and fun fact about these, they were viewed as a healthy, easy snack. Hmm. Back-of-the-box advertising example from 1942, quote, They're crisp, completely different, a grand party treat, perfect as a light dessert, between-meal snack, or a lunchbox surprise for youngsters. A few minutes, a few pennies turn the trick. Ah. <laughs> I, I, still, I, I still eat these, like, basically whenever I have a chance to. Really? Oh, yeah. See, I don't think I've had one since, like, second grade. Oh, they make me so happy. There's <laughs> something about them. I don't know. Well, they're very, uh... They're gooey. They're crisp. Completely different. <laughs> you could work for Rice Krispie Treats. <laughs> <laughs> also, let us not forget Peeps. Yes, Peeps. In 1953, Sam Bourne of the Just Born Candy Company purchased the Rada Candy Company in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which at the time produced these marshmallow chicks specifically for Easter by hand that took uh, 27 hours to make. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Just Born actually wanted the jelly bean technology originally, which jelly bean technology, that's <laughs> two great words when put together. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. Um, and when they saw— Oh, the jelly bean episode. Okay. Uh, yes, eventually. Yeah. And when they saw the peeps, that they, they were enchanted by them. And uh, originally, Just Born, like the parent company, the original company, released Peeps as sort of a specialty item around Easter, but demand was so high, they wanted a way to 
speed up the process so they could produce it. And by 1954, they had automated the process with a machine called the depositor, and they trademarked peeps. They made pumpkins for Halloween, Christmas trees for Christmas, and today, 5.5 million peeps are made a day at this one factory what? in Pennsylvania. What? Yes. Uh, and they use the depositor all the way until 2014. And Bethlehem drops a giant peep on <laughs> New Year's Eve. Instead of a, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and in 1999, a group of scientists calling themselves peep investigators set out to test the indestructibility of peeps with the range of deadly tools like cigarettes and liquid nitrogen and found that peeps are, for the most part, indestructible. Pretty impressive peeps. Yeah. I, uh, they're very divisive, I find. I I really, I really dislike them. They're not food or, I don't know, there's something about them that's very upsetting. I think it's the granular sugar coating. Yeah, maybe. I don't. I haven't had enough peeps in so long. I can't say. Holly Fry loves them. She does. Loves them. If you guys ever want to get on Holly's good side, send her some peeps. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, in 1993, a kid and company, one of those two corporations that has a marshmallow plant in Linganier, they, they created a 671-pound marshmallow for that annual festival. Wow. It see marshmallows are so light to me. Yeah. So I imagine I'm trying to imagine how big it would have had to have been to weigh that. Oof. Yeah, they, they apparently diverted their entire line for <laughs> in order to make this giant molded anyway. I can only hope it was eaten. <laughs> I'm I'm sure. I'm sure it was carved up. So another one, I've never had one of these, is moon pies. I still can't believe that you've missed oh man. I missed a whole range of like cheap desserts. I well, mean, they're not like good, but they're I don't know. It's <laughs> oh no, they're they're real they're real worthwhile. Like I don't know, they taste like plastic and nostalgia. Maybe maybe we'll try one. Oh yeah. This episode. According to Moon Pie's website, the idea for this product of marshmallow sandwich between two graham cracker cookies and then dipped in chocolate originated with Earl Mitchell, a traveling salesman who asked a Kentucky coal miner, "What kind of snack would you like to eat?" And got the description of what is now known as the moon pie in response, hmm. or as the coal miner allegedly called it, a snack as big as the moon. <laughs> hence ah, the name. hence yeah. the name. There you go. It was cheap, and it fit in the lunch pail. And by 1929, the Chattanooga bakery that served as the primary producer of moon pies was boxing hundreds a day. Apparently, they were improved when enjoyed with an RC cola. <laughs> <laughs> to the point that in the 50s, you could hear Big Bill Listers, give me an RC Cola and a Moon Pie on the radio. Okay. <laughs> like, top of the charts. Cool. And since 2008, Mobile, Alabama raises a Moon Pie on New Year's Eve. I had no idea that so many marshmallow-based products were being <laughs> used in New Year's used Eve in celebrations. New Year's celebrations. It's excellent. Michigan Stadium once had to outlaw marshmallows at football games because students kept uh, stuffing them with pennies and pelting the opposing team and marching band with them. Oh. <laughs> That's terrible because you think it's not going to hurt. And, but well, no, they're stuffed with... I'm, I'm sure it wasn't... I, I think it was just enough penny to, to oh, like... give it weight? To give it weight so oh, you could okay. throw them. I don't think it was meant to hurt anybody. Oh, hmm. It's just a menace. Yes. A marshmallow menace. 
they can be menacing. <laughs> um, and another favorite of mine, another thing I've never tried, marshmallow fluff. You've never tried marshmallow fluff? No, I've, I've, I've missed a whole... Thing. I missed a whole... You've never had a Fluffernutter sandwich? Oh, no, I know. Okay, okay, okay. Cultural note. Yes, we're, we're talking... Yes, okay. Marshmallow fluff. This stuff goes all the way back to the 1890s and before Archibald Query... It's a great name. I know. Whipped together some sugar, dried egg whites, corn syrup, and vanilla to make the version we know today. It was marketed as a wrinkle treatment. <laughs> According to an ad I found, huh. it could even... Fill out a shriveled old throat or bust. <laughs> this uh, is oh. one of my favorite facts ever. Okay. Well, uh, sure. You know, m- marshmallows are healing. Marshmallow fluff. Yeah. Good. good. Or, or, I, I mean, mean especially mar- once marshmallow they took out the... sap. Yeah. Well, this, yeah. I can just imagine putting marshmallow fluff on my face. And it's stuck there. Do, do and not it's want. miserable. Yeah. Uh, yes. That, I was so happy to find that out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Query went door to door to sell his product, but the sugar shortage caused by World War I had him looking to sell his marshmallow cream business. And sell he did for $500 to two veterans, Alan Durkee and Fred Mower. In 1920, Durkee and Mower started making what they called toot sweet marshmallow fluff. And by 1929, they had opened a large factory to keep up with demand, and they sponsored a radio show of live music and comedy called. The Flufferettes. It aired before the Jack Benny show on 21 New England stations. And it was around until the 1940s. And before I move on from that entirely, I I read uh, that their factory is uh, an example of a very, like, it was very a- ahead of its time. It was oh. impressive. C- cool. Yeah. And that brings us to Fluffernutter Sandwiches. <laughs> Uh, and this was one of the favorite facts of Laura at Malvi. Uh, yeah, they're um, they're also associated with New England in particular. Mm-hmm. Although I picked them up in South Florida in 1913, Emma Curtis and her brother Armory, who were descendants of Paul Revere, by the way, started making and marketing snowflake marshmallow cream creme. Mm. <laughs> There's an accent mark over the E. I'm not sure what to do with it. Anyway, uh, Emma was really good at getting the word out on radio shows and in brochures. And during World War I, she published a recipe for the Fluffernutter sandwich, or a sandwich of, of peanut butter and marshmallow cream. Only she called it the Liberty Sandwich. Ooh. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't called the Fluffernutter until 1960 when an ad agency came up with the name to, to advertise this sandwich. Until then, it was the Liberty Sandwich. <laughs> Fluffernutters were Liberty Sandwiches. Oh, I love it. Um, and to this day, uh, New Englanders are responsible for half of global sales of marshmallow fluff. You can't even get it everywhere in the U.S. Half of the world sale. It's a bunch. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if you can get it on menus. Some research. Further <laughs> research to be done. I think they have it at the Kroger. We can, I mean, we can go, we can go find some. Good. Yeah. But I want to know if I can order it on a menu in a restaurant. Oh, 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 a fluffernutter sandwich? Mm-hmm. I feel like they have one at Manny's, at, at Manuel's down oh. on the street. Oh. I, th- I, I could be wrong. Check that out. Yeah. Uh, Fluff's birthplace of Somerville, Massachusetts, has an annual What the Fluff Festival in September. <laughs> Love it. Field trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Other bit of random history. In 1979, the manager of the Yankees was fired after getting into a bar brawl with a marshmallow salesman. I wonder what it was about. I'm not I'm not sure. I think I don't know. He was apparently a brawly kind of dude, but um and the 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 Yankees manager, not the sure. marshmallow salesman that we know of. Right. Although, yeah, I, I think the supposedly the, the the manager dude was kind of taunting him. Like, like, what's a big dude like you doing selling marshmallows is the thing that he said. Mean. <laughs> Uncalled for. <laughs> also coming soon, all marshmallow Lucky Charms. Ugh. Which, despite being the best part of Lucky Charms, are the worst types of marshmallows, in my opinion. Uh, they're called, in the food industry, marbits. And they're basically just dried marshmallows uh, because the amount of moisture in regular marshmallows would totally ruin a box of, of cereal mm. and make it all moldy. Yeah. Bad times. Yeah, you don't want that. Um, yeah, there's, there's a whole extensive drying process that they go through. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they were also used as sort of kind of fortune tellers. Yeah, you guys have heard of the, uh, the Stanford marshmallow experiments. Probably. Maybe. Uh, Walter Michelle, a Stanford psychologist, conducted a series of experiments toward the end of the 1960s where he'd set a single marshmallow in front of a child participant and tell them they could have one marshmallow immediately or two if they waited a couple of minutes. Years later, he thought to reconnect to these subjects and determine if there was connection between the kids who could exercise delayed gratification and academic performance and social relationships. And yes, this study indicated that kids who could wait it out did better in these two areas. And yes, it has been replicated. There's been so much written about these, these marshmallow experiments. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a lot. There's some really... Fa- I'll try to post some links on social media. It's, it's super fascinating stuff. Also, let us never forget the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Who could forget the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man? <laughs> Stuff of nightmares. Uh, and you can make your own marshmallows, friends. Yes, as we said at the top of the podcast, they're very much different than what you'll buy in the store generally, uh, like a grocery store, and they're very much better. Uh, yeah, they're, okay, they're both entirely worthwhile and a huge effing pain in the neck. Uh, in, in order to do this, you're you're going to need a stand mixer, and a candy thermometer or another probe-type thermometer. And there are no arguments to be made here. No, don't, don't, don't even start with me. We're going to be dealing with edible napalm. Serious. She's pointing the finger at me. <laughs> she knows I've tried this and failed. <laughs> uh, so, so basically, you start by, um, by A, turning a packet of dried gelatin into uh, squidgy gelatin by adding water. This is called blooming the gelatin. Um, and B, by making a s- simple syrup, uh, equal parts water and sugar, heated until they're both liquid. Um, it's nice to sub in some corn syrup to help keep the mixture stable, a.k.a. not to let it crystallize. So you, you continue heating it, watching the temperature carefully with your thermometer and swirling the pan instead of stirring it. Uh, stirring can agitate any tiny rogue sugar crystals in the syrup and set off a chain reaction of crystallization. Don't want it. Uh, so you you heat this mixture until you reach the soft ball stage of liquid sugar, which is uh, 240 degrees Fahrenheit, a.k.a. 120 degrees Celsius. And in, in candy making, that's the name that the soft ball stage is the name for when the density of a sugar syrup is such that it will hold a soft shape like a like taffy. And 
You should be so careful, please, around this mixture because it will stick to your skin if it splashes on you and burn you very, very badly. Um, candy is terrifying. Assuming that you're not in the ER, you add your bloomed gelatin and your soft ball stage syrup into a stand mixer and then just kind of whip the crap out of it for like 15 minutes. Uh, then when it's basically done, you can add a little bit of flavoring like vanilla extract, although you do have to be very careful because anything too acidic or alcoholy could could melt the sugar and gelatin structures and, and just leave you with a goo soup. Don't want it. No. Then to finish it off, you, uh, you kind of quickly scrape the mallow batter into a greased pan and let it sit either uncovered or loosely covered until it's firm a couple hours or up to overnight. And then just cut them into chunks, coat them with equal parts cornstarch and powdered sugar, and impress all of your friends with delicious, light, fluffy homemade marshmallows. And I have been impressed by a friend with homemade marshmallows. So You, you, you had to tell, tell the story. It's a good story. <laughs> I was about to leave uh, for eight months um, to be in Australia, and I was at the airport, and a friend of mine showed up. I didn't know she was going to show up to say goodbye to me. And she has with her this container. And she didn't tell me what was in it. And she opened it with, like, all this drama. <laughs> and it was, I couldn't tell what it was at first because she hadn't cut them up. But it was a layer of homemade marshmallows. <laughs> and I was both very delighted and happy she gave them to me and very confused as to why she gave them to me right before I got onto a plane. <laughs> I hadn't even gone through security. I don't know. <laughs> Are they going to let me take this massive marshmallow with me? <laughs> Is this a gel? I'm not sure. It's more than three ounces. Yes. But they were delicious. They were vanilla flavored. Very good. I was impressed. <laughs> um, and, and, and by the way, of, of all the pain that, that marshmallows kind of are to make uh, cleanup is a breeze because they're made of water-soluble things. Sugar dissolves. It's so nice. Gelatin, too. Yeah. So that's a plus. Mm -hmm. All that hard work, but at least the cleanup will be easy. Yeah. And that is pretty much all we have on marshmallows mm -hmm. for you today. That brings us to the end of this classic episode on marshmallows. We hope mm -hmm. you enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And if you have any marshmallow creations that you want to share, maybe I'll, because I have all this stuff to make. I have a whole thing of gelatin. I'm oh, just really? so, oh, yeah. I don't know if I did that on accident or if it only came in that size, but I have a lot, a lot of it. So. I, I I also, I purchased some little packets of gelatin early on in uh, in the shutdown because I guess I was like, maybe I'll get bored enough to do something really creative with gelatin, but I definitely have not touched those. Well. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. And, and you listeners, you are always so great in sending suggestions for our, our kitchen pantry woes, uh, <laughs> excesses. So uh, if you would like to send us a suggestion, if you have an idea or if you've done something yourself that you want to mm -hmm. share, please, please, please do. You can email us at hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. 
This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 